안녕하세요. Good morning, good morning, my dear brothers and sisters, clergy and ambassador for peace. 안녕하십니까? Today I'd like to talk about the path of life for all men, all humankind. Come <laughs> through Mother's Anthology, Volume 2 again. Let's start. It. The path of life for all humankind. Human life can be divided into three periods. Life in the womb of about 10 months, a physical life of about 100 years, and life in the spirit world that lasts for eternity. If we look at our own face, we also see three stages, the mouth, the nose, and the eyes. These reflect the three periods of our lives. The mouth symbolizes the period in the womb, which is a world of material. The nose symbolizes the period on earth, which is the world of humanity. The eyes symbolize the period in heaven, which is the spirit world. To the unborn child, the aquatic world of its mother's womb is a world of total freedom. Interestingly, although it is constrained within the confines of the womb, the fetus feels completely free. In the womb, it can stretch its legs and it relies on an umbilical cord to breathe and receive nutrients for survival. Its nose and mouth are both useless in that world. Nevertheless, to the baby, the world in the womb is one of complete freedom. Would a baby in the womb say, I can't wait until I get out into the world where I can eat all kinds of delicious things when it was time to be born? No, the opposite is the case. It would say, oh no, I don't want to leave. However, even if the baby doesn't want to leave its mother's womb, when the time comes, it has no choice. As the amniotic fluid flows out, the baby follows soon thereafter. This is what happens in a normal birth. As soon as the baby is born, it begins to cry. At the same time, it starts to breathe through its nose and becomes linked to the second world, the world of air. As the baby leaves the wound to enter the world of air, the umbilical cord is discarded along with the amniotic sac and everything it needed in the world of the womb. With the destruction of these things, the baby is born into the bosom of its new mother, the planet Earth. Once born, the baby begins to eat with its mouth and breathe through its nose. The food we eat on Earth nourishes our physical body, but it does not contain the essential element of life. This life element is nothing other than love. Thus, while we are in this world, we also need to breathe the air of love. We need to inhale this air of love from our mother and father. Yeah. Okay, let's summarize very uh, summarize simply. Human beings were created to live in three worlds, please. Human beings were created to live in three worlds. Firstly, we spend around 10 months breathing water in our mother's womb. Secondly, we spend perhaps 100 years on earth breathing air. And lastly, we shed our physical bodies and live for eternity in the spirit world. Then how can we breathe in the spirit world? 
we breathe love in the spirit world. Since the spirit world is indeed the world of love, we cannot live without love. Therefore, we need to live a life of accumulating our actual results of love on earth. Wow, this very important thing. Spiritual world requires your actual achievement of love. Then, you know, the, the spiritual world requires what kind of, what kind of your actual achievement of love. First, actual achievement of loving your family. This is basic things, okay? The, the four great realms of a heart and the three great kingship. No matter what need to you accomplish an experience of four great realms of heart and three great kingship, spiritual world require this kind of a result. Without a taste of four great realms of heart, three great kingship, you do not know God's heart at all. You know no experience of God's love at all. That's why you need to have that kind of actual achievement of loving your family. Secondly, uh, okay, the kingdom of heaven is not the place where one can go alone. Secondly, spiritual world requires uh, your actual achievement of loving your neighbors, which is loving your kin. Our spirit selves are supposed to grow through the receiving love and by moving the heart of others. So this is a second commandment, you need to love your neighbor. So Father talking about, you need to love your tribe. Everybody need to have an actual achievement, loving your tribe. You have to become tribal messiah, and you need to liberate particularly your ancestors. You need to have that kind of actual achievement of loving your neighbor. That is, the, you know, how much did you love Cain? When you go to spiritual world, you need to bring substantial result, how much you loved your Cain. And then number third is really challenging, my brothers and sisters. Spiritual world require your actual achievement of loving your enemies. Yeah? So you need to subjugate your uh, enemy. About regarding this, I want to uh, study one more time our true father's word. We need to subjugate our enemy. Let's study. If you wish to go to the kingdom of heaven, you must obtain a document of surrender from the enemy, Satan. If you wish to go to the kingdom of heaven, you must obtain a document of surrender from the enemy, Satan. Without getting a document that proves you have loved even the enemy, Satan, you cannot go to heaven. Even though we could treat those who oppose us as enemies, we have to love them, which is an astonishing way of doing things. We have to love our enemies. We have to pray that they receive blessings. There is no other way. Wow. If you do not have the document of loving your enemies, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Anyone loves a person who can be loved. Loving Cain is the training to love one's enemy. If I, standing in the position of the able, become one with Cain who are my enemies, the foundation, of, foundation to welcome true parents will be created. In other words, the foundation to welcome the Messiah is created. The reason I still I can't 
experience that the heart of God and true parents is because I lack the document of loving my enemies. If do you if you do not love your enemies, you must pay indemnity. This is because I can get rid of my fallen nature by loving my enemies. The, the more I love my enemies, the more my uh, vessel of love expands, and the more my spiritual growth, you know, accelerates. That's why without loving enemy, there is no way to remove your fallen nature. Now, what's the best way to remove your fallen nature? You need to love your enemy. Without loving your, loving your enemy, you cannot upgrade your spiritual level to another dimension. It's very important. That's why how much you can love your enemy, then means how much you can remove your fallen nature. The shortcut to uh, perfecting myself, my spirit self, is to subdue the enemy naturally with love. In that respect, we must thank God for giving us an, an enemy. Enemy, The enemy is the best teaching material for training us as a person of true love. Wow, Father, really, it is really incredibly explained why we have to love our enemies. Living divine principle, the meaning of the freedom, uh, from the viewpoint of the principle, let's study EDP. Freedom and the human fall. The meaning of freedom from the viewpoint of the principle. What is the meaning of true freedom? In light of the principle, three characteristics of freedom stand out. First, there is no freedom outside the principle. Freedom requires both free will and the free actions pursuant to that will. Free will and free actions have the relationship of internal nature and external form. And perfect, perfect freedom is achieved when they are in harmony. Therefore, there cannot be any free action without free will, nor can free will be complete without free actions to accompany it. Free actions are generated by free will, and free will is an expression of the mind. The mind of an original, endless person cannot operate outside of God's words, that is the principle. It will never express free will or generate free action apart from the principle. Undoubtedly, the freedom of a true person never deviates from the principle. There is no freedom without responsibility. Human beings created according to the principle can reach perfection only by fulfilling their responsibility based on their free will. Accordingly, a person pursuing the purpose of creation as prompted by his free will ceaselessly strives to carry out his portion of responsibility. There is no freedom without responsibility. There is no freedom without accomplishment. When human beings exercise freedom and carry out their responsibility, they strive to accomplish results which complete the purpose of creation and bring joy to God. Free will ceaselessly pursues concrete results through free actions. Yeah, based on that, let's study Father's word. Freedom cannot exist without principles, responsibility, and results. 
Comparing this with a tree, there are big branches and small branches. And does a small branch say, I bear no relation to a big branch? Small branches are not safe and cannot decide their positions without big branches. They should be harmonized in all directions, east, west, north, and south. When there are branches in the east, there must be branches in the west. When there are branches in the north, there must be branches in the south. There must be shoots and roots. In such a place, the freedom will be guaranteed. Do you understand? Otherwise, even if branches in the east look good, the tree cannot stand straight. It will be curved. Is it the freedom that a tree grows? Is it its own purpose? Therefore, the freedom cannot exist without the principle and the responsibility. There should be good results in your action. Yeah, uh, uh, trees determine their location by forming reciprocal relationship between large branches and small branches, protecting each other and harmonizing in the north, south, east, west, and west. When there are branches in the east, there must be branches in the west. When there are branches in the north, there must be branches in the south, there must be uh, suits and uh, roots. In this way, the freedom of the tree is uh, guaranteed when each branch uh, suit and the root take their place in the place they set. Freedom cannot exist outside the principle. Therefore, freedom cannot exist without principle and the responsibility. There should be good results in your action. Leaving rules and principle is not freedom, but indulgence, which results in the destruction of the everything. The principle of the principle, uh, the, the principle of the principle is the principle of true love. All beings are truly free within the universal law of true love. And next. Freedom and responsibilities as a woman. Even though there is a path that a woman goes, can she say, I will do what men do because I have freedom as a woman? Women have no whiskers. Do women have the freedom to wear whiskers? If you say, I want to wear whiskers, wear whiskers. It doesn't work. That is the path of principle. The path of principle that women have to go. What does the freedom mean? The menstruation cycle is once a month, isn't it? If you say, it's a bother, I want to stop doing it, you can try it, but can you stop doing it? You have to follow the principle. If you were a woman, you have to follow the principle for a woman. Then you have to take responsibility as a woman. As women's breasts are big, they have responsibility to nourish babies. That is the freedom. The best freedom is to give birth to and nourish children. Those women who cannot give birth to children are half paralytics. They don't belong to women. And uh, women have principles to follow as women, and men have principles to follow as men. All of this must conform to uh, the cosmic law of God's principle of creation. Therefore, human being must conform to God's principle of creation. There is a freedom within the principle of creation. However, 
self-centered action and thoughts uh, that deviate from the principle of creation are not freedom, but self-indulgence. Indulgence only leads to ruin. So today's youth ministry, uh, renew your mind. Also very, very important content. So let's study. The fundamental attitude and start of faith. The fundamental attitude of faith begins with treating ourselves as heavenly. We must treat ourselves not as us, but as children of God. That's why you shouldn't stick with the habits of all your past. A new life of faith begins only when you treat yourself as gods. Wherever you are, you must treat yourself as gods. That becomes the first start of faith. You must live by always confirming that you are the sons and daughters of heaven. In order to do that, you cannot take care of your habits or thoughts that you have had until this day. If you are God's sons or daughter, you should always be an object of joy in front of heaven and true parents. Wherever you go, you should be proud. Romanes says, you are, living a, you are a living sacrifice to God. It means that it is not your mind or your body. We belong to God. So you can't do whatever you want. Those who still do as they please are immature. You must make the parent-child relationship between God and you the foremost creed in your life. As long as you don't break away from this, you will begin to receive God's love. Yeah. Uh, wherever you are, treat you as God's, God's belonging. That becomes the first start of the faith. Believing that God is my, uh, you know, irreplaceable uh, parent and that I am God's irreplaceable child is the first step in faith. Therefore, just as much as I believe that I am God's son or daughter, I must completely get rid of my thoughts and habits centered on fallen nature of the past. We must absolutely deny ourselves in the past and have the conviction of the absolute affirmation that we are the sons and daughters of God. Therefore, if you are son of a daughter of God, you must always be determined to become an object of joy and filial piety in front of heaven and true parents. And you must be proud of your life wherever you go. Uh, Romanos says, you are living sacrifice to God. It means that my heart must become God's and my body must become the holy body of God. What is the first article of our uh, life, life of faith? It is absolute faith that God is my parents and I am child of God. As long as you do not deviate from this, you will begin to receive God's love. If you have this principle, you can't assert yourself and you can't do anything carelessly. Next content. A person who lives in worship you are not someone who can just do what you want. Now that we are all grown up, we must all become filial sons and filial daughters. You need to know that it is not you who will determine the course of your actions. Take a good look 
at your front, back, left and right? Will your actions please God and those around you? Will those around you see your life and admit that you live a righteous life? You have to live by checking this all the time. This is a true believer, a person who lives in the spirit of worship. A person who has the spirit of worship is someone who always checks whether or not their action caused concern to those around them. After living such a life, you have to attend Sunday worship services. If a person who has led a self-indulgent life centered on themselves attends worship services, that person is a hypocrite. What is the spirit of worship? It is the spirit that says, I am my father's child. I am my father's. So you must be a person who has kept these teachings of true parents in your heart. You are the ones who should make true parents happy. Go further and become people who bring joy to those around you. Those who cannot do this become the living proof that they are self-indulgent. Yeah. The faith that confesses God as my parents and me as God's child takes a good look at the front and back and left and right and lives by always checking whether God and those around you will be pleased with your actions. What is the spirit of worship? Is the spirit that says, I am my father's child. I am my father's. This is a true believer, a person who lives in the spirit of the ownership, uh, spirit of the worship. People who live in the spirit of the worship always live in the spirit of shojong. You must live with the spirit of the worship on a daily basis and uh, attend Sunday worship services, service with a record of the love and joy. If a person who has led a self-indulgent life centered on themselves attends worship service, that person is a hypocrite. You are the one who should make true parents happy. Those who cannot do this become the living proof that they are self-indulgent. Next. I should exist for the joy of the whole. There was a flood judgment of Noah. God left only those who believed in and obeyed him, leaving all the rest of the self-indulgent people to be judged. The lesson learned from Noah's judgment is that God was a God who only wanted to have people who had a parent-child relationship with him, lived good lives, and showed joy living on earth. It is the same in our family. Even in a family, we want the children to not become the object of concern for their parents. The parents really hope that the whole family can live a happy life. It is not only God, but also our hearts today want to live in an environment where the whole can rejoice. In order to do that, you cannot please the people around you by doing your own thing and asserting yourself. So, if you want to please the people around you, you have to communicate with them artistically. If you insist and assert, you will deviate from the quest for total harmony. When you see something like that, don't you know that you can't just think about yourself? Those who worried their parents in the past 
cannot hear the word in their hearts, even when they try to listen. People who engage in self-indulgent behavior, people who affirm themselves a lot, and people who have strong self-doubt do not feel the circumstances and feelings of the subject. To those people, the word of God does not touch their hearts. That's always a problem. Yeah. What we uh, can know from Noah's judgment on the flood is that God left only those who believed in and obeyed. And all the rest of the self-indulgent people were judged. As an absolute being, God cannot compromise even 1% with evil. In the Old Testament, God educated Israelites to believe in only God absolutely. In some sense, really, he's a really, uh, how to say, dictator centering on goodness, absolute dictator. Of course, we cannot use this kind of terminology. I, I, I can express in that way. God is absolute dictator centering on true love and goodness. God does not want to see even one person of the satanic element in us. He wants human beings to become 100% God. In this sense, God is an absolute being centered on goodness. Therefore, you cannot whatever you want and not assert your own opinion. I can't please those around me if I keep asserting my point. So if you want to want to please the people around you, you have to communicate with them artistically. If you insist or assert, you will deviate from the quest from total harmony. When you see something like that, don't know that you can't just think about yourself. I realize that self-denial, self-denial, how to create a harmony and unity? Yeah? How to create? You need to deny yourself. Really respect other person's opinion. Even though that kind of opinion is sometimes looks like a not principle, but if it's still put, Put him first, put your object partner first, and then you have to be silent and then try to serving and try to attending first and with your almost a sincerity. Then something wrong and then God guide him. That's why, you know, uh, you know, even in the, our family relationship between husband and wife, why always make some problem and issues between husband and wife? Because always you are insist on you, also to yourself. That's the issue. Really, I do not, you need to think that I, I am not existing. You know, I completely, I, I do not exist. I only just live and serve for my spouse. If you practice that kind of way for three months and four months, you can, your lifestyle completely change and your object partner surely change because you always insist and assert your opinion yourself. This is the problem. That cannot create a harmony. You know, Father often talking about the salt and, you know, salt melted in the water. So it looks like nothing but have the taste. There is no father's name. There is no mother's name. No, there is no spouse's name. Though no children, every everybody becomes salt. Other become you know uh, the melt 
and in the water, and only show the taste. We need to be like a salt, completely looks like it does not exist, but show the taste. And through this kind of the way, we can create a harmony and unity. Okay, next. Only renew your mind. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How can I renew my mind? You must first distinguish between right and wrong in your life, and then you will gain a new heart. You cannot find a new heart in a place where you say, I'm not honorable, I'm not proud, or I'm ashamed. We must find a new heart. If we do not want to imitate this generation, we must first be good at judging right and wrong. And don't imitate or do the wrong thing. This means that you should not become a person who is governed by circumstances. It means not to live habitually. It means not being indifferent to people. It means not doing the work compulsory. It is a new mind that has a heart that gives more jansan, a heart that invests more, a heart that values people, a heart that wants to live more proudly, and a heart that will create joy for others. This kind of heart must always come from my Shimjang. If you live with a new heart, you will have a premonition. You will always live proudly with a new heart. Only when you have a new heart can you discern good from evil, know right from wrong, know what to worry about and what not to worry about, and foresee what you will be proud of and what you will not be proud of. Our minds are wired to foresee. If you live with a new heart, you already know before you act. This will worry your parents. The school will be worried. If you live with a new heart, heaven will inform you in advance and you can discern good from evil. It is not knowing after taking action, but knowing what is right and wrong in advance. If you work hard with a new heart, you will be happy and proud. Yes, let's summarize. How do we live with a new heart? And then Romans 12.2 mentioned very clearly, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and the perfect will. First of all, how do we live with a new heart? If you do not want to imitate, okay, imitate this generation, you must be able to different right, uh, differentiate right and wrong. Do not imitate the wrong thing. You should not be a person who is governed by the environment. Do not live habitually. This is very important, you know, in order to live with a new heart. Do not live habitually. Do not be indifferent towards the people. Do not ignore people, okay? You are black people, white people, or yellow people, you know? 
do not do not have this kind of the about the indifferent uh, situation. Do not do the job, you know, uh, of obligatory. All right. Don't do anything by first. You need to do really voluntarily and hastistically. Live with a more sincere heart, a more invested heart, or heart that values people, or heart that want to live more proudly, and a heart that will create joy for others. Put, you need to put your effort. Otherwise, you cannot create your new heart. Let our heart come from our Shimjong. If you live with a new heart, you know how to distinguish between good and evil, and you will foresee what is right and wrong in advance. If you live with a new heart, you know advance what is right and wrong, not what you know after you act. If you work hard and live with a new heart, you will be happy and proud of yourself. Wow, beautiful guidance. Thank you very much, my brothers and sisters. Thank you so much, Dr. Yong, for that beautiful message this morning. So now we'll go to our living testimony, which will be given by Neville LeBroy about the Bellingham Family Church. Good morning, Dr. Yong, brothers and sisters. My name is Neville LeBroy. I'm the pastor in Bellingham. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to share with you about Bellingham. We're situated northwest of Washington State, 17 miles from the Canadian border. Our whole community really unites together and help each other in forming, uh, in doing our activities and events. One of these being the ACLC, which is still ongoing. We've also been able to teach uh, these local ministers with Divine Principle Workshops. Our former Sub-Regional Five Director, Reverend Larry Krishnik and his wife, Akimi, live here in Bellingham. In fact, Reverend Krishnik was born in Bellingham. He is the current director of UPF. In our recent event held in Ferndale, Washington, which is Reverend Krishnik's city where he lives, we had a really wonderful time and we built an alliance, has made a proclamation to work together with different groups, different churches, different entities, and UPF is still ongoing here in Washington State. Our witnessing outreach, everyone also supports this effort. We do whatever we can when we can. We've had blessing festivals in our homes. We visit churches when we can as well. Currently, we have two main churches. We building relationships with those pastors and encouraging them and, and really having patience with them as well so that we can one day uh, they can receive true parents and receive the blessing. We have constantly been doing uh, divine principle workshops on a regular basis and they're not limited to one place. We've done them in uh, meeting rooms, in coffee shops, pizzerias, wherever people feel comfortable to receive the word, we go and we teach a divine principle. And it's it has also brought us one brother, one guest that has joined our church. One of my favorites is a divine principle lecture contest. There you will find future lecturers. And many times when people come to these, young and old, 
it's open to all ages. They told me that they love hearing the divine principle, even though it's people are practicing. Nevertheless, the word is the word. People are actually reborn. One sister, 16 years old, she told me she gained confidence on how to teach the divine principle to one of her school friends, which she now is doing. We love holy days. We celebrate them with so much fun and enjoyment. The children love it. We celebrate other days as well, like Christmas, and we have Easter hunts, things like that. We took to heart Dr. Young's recommendation to have big family reunions last Christmas. We brought actually 70 people plus came to our event and people we had not seen for a while. So it was a really great, great experience for us. We do hold regular Sunday services. We rent a VFW hall uh, locally. We also have Sunday school ministry taught by Tiffany Lebroy. One of the things that I really got excited about was uh, it's called the Wonderful Life series where members were able to share about their life, what brought them to the church, what changed them and the effect that true parents had on them. And for those born in the church, we were able to learn what, what they gained from true parents, what they gained by living a principal life. So that was all fun as well. Look, uh, recently, we're discussing the growth and uh, future growth of our church and sustainability of our church. And the elders here in this picture, we met together. I had a roundtable discussion on what we can do, how we can best prepare the next generation to, to take more responsibilities. However, we realized that our second gen they're very focused on raising up their kids. They all have young kids and their energy is going into that. And they have told us also that they are also concerned of what they can bequeath to their children. So we realize that as they prepare, we, the elders, are really the backbone of our church. We will meet again together as a whole after the first second gen meet also to air out what they want to talk about. And together, we're really going to forge a very strong path for the future. I'm sure that Dr. Young never heard of Bellingham in his life. I was so impressed, though, when he came to Bellingham and he greeted every person. Great sign of great leadership. I still remember his hug. We're all like you, brothers and sisters, all around the world. We have ups and downs and struggles and challenges. <clears throat> what gives our community hope is we're united with True Mother and her vision, and we're united with Dr. Young. Here in Bellingham, all the families here were trained and touched by True Parents in some way or another. This gives us hope that we can do anything and we believe we will succeed in building a Cholyungook nation and restoring America. We are really blessed also here on the West Coast. Reverend Thompson and his wife, Masako, they initiated the West Coast Morning Devotion. I love the West Coast Morning Devotion. And uh, that's really a wonderful thing that's happening on this coast. So I just want to thank you, brothers and sisters, for listening. And I want to thank you, Dr. Young, for the way you love America. Thank you so much.
Thank you so much, Uncle Neville, for that beautiful testimony. It was lovely seeing how beautiful your community is. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I think it really tied in with Dr. Young's talk today about how you are really living for the sake of others, really living for the sake of your community. And that's something beautiful that we can all take with us. And thank you, Dr. Young, for your beautiful message this morning. Um, something that I took away from today's message was um, ask ourselves if we are living by God's word, if we can go out into the world and proclaim that we are a son and daughter of true parents. And if we look at our actions, does that show it? So that's something that was really beautiful today. So thank you so much, Dr. Young.